Welcome back to the podcast and to a new series of episodes that will lead us through the last few hours of Jesus' life as recorded by the Gospel writer John. Over the next several weeks, we'll be diving deep into John chapters 13 through 17, and we look forward to having you join us. If you'd like more information about the Traders Point Church of Christ, please visit our website at traderspointchurch.org, and you can find us on Facebook and YouTube as well. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy today's conversation. Hello once again, and welcome back to our continuing study here in this section of uh, the Gospel of John. The last several weeks now, we've been covering uh, John chapters 13 through 17, which is in essence one kind of conversation that has taken place between Jesus and his disciples. And over the next couple of weeks, this week and next week, we're going to provide, I don't know, really kind of two epilogues, if you will, and spend a little bit of time, a few minutes, in talking about what really takes place next. Chapter 18, with Jesus' arrest and uh, some discussions he has with some authority figures, and then ultimately in John chapter 19, his crucifixion. So, uh, John, as we uh, we get ready to embark in, in chapter 18, why don't you maybe try to put a you know, a bow on, on where we've been and why, really, now at least thinking about chapter 18 and 19 and the impact that really 13 through 17 is going to have on these two chapters. Yeah, chapter 18, it, it changes tone as well as setting a lot from where we've been. Uh, the, the text that we've been studying through over the past couple of months, it's been very intimate, very personal. Jesus has been there with his closest of followers He's been talking to them about some very specific teachings that he wants to leave them with, preparing them for the time in which he's going to leave. And so it's been it's been very personal and very intimate. You get to chapter 17, Jesus turns his attention to his father and prays. He prays uh, about the work that's been accomplished through him and his time on earth. He prays for his followers. He prays for those in the future who are going to hear his teachings and come to follow him. And then chapter 18 begins with when Jesus has spoken these words, he went out with his disciples. And so they're changing location, they're changing setting, and most likely what we see happening here at the beginning of chapter 18 is what some of the other gospel accounts will uh, detail a little bit more so as, as Jesus enters the Garden of Gethsemane, and he continues in prayer to his Father there for a period of time, and, and ultimately it's going to lead to Judas coming, betraying him, and Jesus being arrested in that moment. And so really what's happening in chapter 18 is the fulfillment of what Jesus has been talking about over the past few hours with his disciples. But as we made mention many times, pretty much every week as we were studying uh, through this text, all of this happens in a very short period of time, and chapter 18 really just picks up right where chapter 17 leaves off, more or less. Maybe a short period of time has passed, but we're still in the same evening. I mean, this is it's not as if days have passed here. Um, we're talking about just maybe another few hours has passed when we get into chapter 18. And so still very tight time frame from where we've been over the past couple of months. So this is all happening in very quick succession. And so if you go back to John chapter 13, where you know we began and you look at what Jesus is talking to his disciples about, you can just imagine how all of that would be so fresh on their minds when in chapter 18 they hear about Jesus being arrested. Clearly not all of his disciples are with him here in chapter 18, 
And so probably they're hearing about this happening as the evening progresses and certainly coming to terms with what's about to take place and probably thinking about what Jesus has been telling them uh, would happen. And so this is very emotional and many of his followers are probably in real time trying to figure out what to do with the reality that their Savior is being arrested. And they know, because of what Jesus has talked to them about, that this is ultimately going to lead to his death. And they're now having to come to terms with the reality of that, not just in theory. I know we've talked a lot over the last several weeks when we've been spending time in this text about the timing of it all. That, you know, we, we've been studying it over a, a period of weeks now, if not months. And, you know, and it is chapters in the Gospel of John. I mean, it, it really represents a, a pretty healthy chunk or percentage mm-hmm. of John's Gospel, you know, where we've been. I mean, we went all the way back to John chapter 13, and, and it's in John chapter 19 when Jesus is on the cross. I mean, as you've made mention, I mean, you're dealing with, I mean, three or four, five, you know, six, seven, eight hours by the time he's through all of his, you know, trials. But by the time he's arrested here in John chapter 18, I, I mean, it, you're dealing with three, maybe four hours. You know, you made you made a, an interesting point. You know, the other Gospels give us that picture, and it's certainly a well-known picture of Jesus praying in the garden, and John doesn't, doesn't give us a whole lot of that, but you know, that, that, that certainly took some time. They had mm-hmm. to travel there. Yep. They've been in the same place in John 13 through 17. Now, they've had to travel uh, to the garden. We know that Jesus uh, leaves some disciples in one place and takes Peter, James, and John with them a bit further to, to pray. We know that he prayed, and we know... Even though we don't get the specific words of that prayer, we've gotten words and and we know about Jesus' prayer life. Rarely was he a a couple of seconds in and then he's done a couple of seconds in. I mean, he is, you know, he is an intense prayer and and this is at an intense time. And we know he prays not once, not twice, but three different times in the garden. And so that's going to take some time, long enough for his disciples to fall asleep. I mean, all, all three times. I mean, if he was gone just a couple of minutes, my guess was Peter, James, and John wouldn't have fallen asleep in, in just a couple of minutes. He's gone for some time. Mm-hmm. And so the, the timing of this really becomes an important piece because, listen, nobody's sleeping here. I, right. I know we've made mention of Peter, James, and John. They get a little bit of rest. Yeah. But Jesus, he, he is not sleeping. He is through the night. And I, I think it's important and maybe an understanding of what happens at the beginning of chapter 18, right before Jesus is taken, before, you know, Caiaphas and Annas and, and, and Pilate that, that John will tell us about. But you have really this well-known, you know, story of, of Peter and, and his reaction to mm-hmm. what's taken place. And, and maybe as we've studied through John 13 through 17, not that he's done anything right or is justified in any way, but maybe an understanding there because they are on the very edge of what was a highly emotional mm-hmm. evening, yeah. a highly emotional evening. And now you have Peter when Jesus is betrayed by one of his closest of friends, not just his closest of followers, those 12 apostles were Jesus's friends, and they were friends of each other. And now he is betrayed by Judas, and, and Peter reacts. And it's certainly a way that Jesus rebukes 
but it really helps after our study of the conversation before to see what happens here at the very beginning of John chapter 18. It is, and, and you mentioned you know the other gospel accounts will talk about Peter, James, and John being the disciples that are, are with Jesus as he enters into the garden. And then obviously Judas is going to come as he uh, betrays Jesus in that moment. But we get this picture of the 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 group tightening around Jesus. You know, earlier on, he, he there were several people around him, all of his apostles, maybe even a few others around him as he was talking. And then that group tightens as Jesus uh, becomes more and more emotional as the time nears for him to be taken and, and ultimately crucified. And, and we can see that even as, you know, obviously we're going to see, as you mentioned, what happened with Peter here. But the emotions that Peter would have been feeling specifically, we oftentimes give him a hard time. And like you said, rightfully so. I mean, Jesus even rebukes him for what for what he's done. But when you think about what they have just gone through over the past several hours, and you think about even Peter's proclamation to Jesus, like, hey, I'm not going to let this happen to you. You're, gonna, you're telling me you're going to be crucified? Not on my watch. You're not. I'm ready. I'll die for you if I have to. Well, he's that's exactly what he's prepared to do. Right. And and he is he is concerned for his master. He is probably a little bit uh defiant as we have seen him be at certain times. He's emotional and it's understandable. That doesn't excuse the outburst of emotion that he's going to demonstrate, but it is understandable. And I think when you study this in the context of the last several chapters, it, it really does help us better understand what he's going through and relate to him in some ways. I think all of us would be emotionally distraught if we had gone through what he had gone through over the past few hours. And then to recognize that someone that you had worked with, Judas, is the one that's leading this betrayal against Jesus, he would have been a, he would have been a wreck in this moment. And so it is understandable how he responds. And, you know, we see John's account tells us specifically that he cuts off the ear of Malchus. And when you think about the fact that there is a Roman cohort here of officers, without Jesus calming the situation down, that would have led probably to Peter being killed in that moment. And Peter probably knew that. And again, that just shows his loyalty to Jesus even though he didn't always demonstrate that appropriately, you can't question his loyalty in this moment. Oftentimes when we continue on this story, and you know, we're going to see how Peter denies Jesus, and we focus on that, and, and, and rightfully so. There's, there's issues to be discussed there as well. But his loyalty in this moment, I, I think is, I, w- I won't use the word admirable, because he does do so in a way that Jesus is not pleased with, but understandable maybe is a better word to use. Yeah, you know, I find it really interesting, you know, in this chapter, the way that John, you know, chooses to tell, you know, this story. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's it's wildly assumed that, you know, John is writing his gospel long after the others mm-hmm. um, have even maybe even been circulated at this time. And, you know, it's really interesting that here at this point, his focus really turns to Jesus. I mean, it is... I mean, everybody's focus is on Jesus, but even the peripheral characters almost go away from mm-hmm. John's foretelling. You made mention, and certainly it's it's no secret, 
about uh, the situation where Peter denies Jesus three times, as Jesus had just hours before told him he was going to do. Well, the other Gospels give detailed accounts mm-hmm. of, of that taking place. John just merely mentions it. Yep. I mean, it, it's almost a passing you know, thing. It, it, what really is center stage with John 18, and the one other thing that really for me stands out is this parade that mm-hmm. John does a great job of, of portraying for us that Jesus takes in this evening from one place to the next place to the next place, back to another place, and it showcases, certainly, n- nobody in authority here has any idea what to do with no. Jesus. I mean, nobody has anything, you know, uh, you know, uh, they have no idea what to do. But what's interesting for me in John 18 is, you know, we commonly think about Jesus and the fact that when he's going through this process, he doesn't say anything. He stays quiet. In a lot of ways, he doesn't. He doesn't throw up a big defense or anything like that. But he's he's anything but silent. Mm -hmm. He's not silent on the cross, and he wasn't silent before. He was speaking the whole time, Mm -hmm. and he was speaking on the cross. We'll talk about some of those things probably next week when we get into John chapter 19, but even as he is paraded between Annas and Caiaphas and Pilate, he's having a conversation. He's talking, Mm -hmm. but it's really interesting. He's not trying to get out of it. He's not throwing up a defense. Uh, he probably could have gotten out of it very easily. It seems that these men were just looking for an excuse to let him go. Certainly Pilate was yeah. for sure, but Jesus isn't giving you know him any. But it's just interesting to see again where Jesus' focus is, not on the physical, what's going on in the spiritual. Even And for me, what stands out the most in this, these conversations is the one that he has with Pilate when Pilate is asking him about his kingship and about his kingdom. And Jesus plainly, you know, says, and this goes to your point, even, you know, with Peter being ready to fight, Jesus making the point that, you know, my kingdom isn't of this world. If it was, there would be war right now, Mm -hmm. but there isn't because my kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And we're able to take that idea and that idea explodes in the book of Acts and yeah. through the epistles and, and continues to be an important point today. But, you know, those conversations for me really stand out in John 18. They do. And I think the the first couple of those conversations that you mentioned, being with Annas and with Caiaphas, uh, it really stuck out to me reading this just how badly the Jews wanted to fast-track this whole thing, mm-hmm. just kill him. Kill him. That's all they wanted. That's all they were focused on, and they knew they had to get it done quickly because they had a flimsy story that wasn't going to hold up to a great deal of scrutiny. And so we've got to finish this off, and we've got to do it quickly. They're doing it under the guise of nighttime. You've got the Passover. The Sabbath is coming up. Let's just get this over with, get it done fast, and be done with this guy. The problem is the Jews don't have the authority to kill somebody, and so they have to go to Pilate. And as you pointed out, you can see... As Jesus is passed to and fro, the Jews question him briefly about what he's been teaching. And I love his response there in verse 20. I spoke openly to the world. You know, what more do you want to hear from me? You know what I've been saying. There's no questions around my teaching. You're just, again, you're trying to just find anything that you can grab hold of because you know this flimsy story that you've got is worthless. And so they pass him on to Pilate. And they say, well, you know, we need this guy taken care of. And Pilate starts questioning him. And you can tell very quickly, Pilate doesn't want to have anything to do with this. No. This is not his problem. This is a Jew, Jewish problem. 
you guys deal with this. I don't want anything to do with this guy. Pilate probably has very little knowledge of Jesus because, again, most of Jesus' teachings have been among the Jews for the most part. And so Pilate probably, I'm sure he's probably heard some of the mumblings and grumblings about Jesus, maybe even has heard some of his teachings, but he's a Jew. Pilate doesn't care. Just keep peace. That's all. That's his job. Just keep the peace. And so what he finally realizes is in order to keep the peace, I'm going to have to go along with what these Jews want me to do. But it is fascinating the way that John records this in such sequential order. You can tell how nobody really knew what to do with him. And the one who had the authority, Pilate, didn't want anything to do with him. And it was all just this perfect mix of emotions and chaos and ultimately reluctance on the part of Pilate, who just finally said, okay, do what you want to with him. But I really appreciate John's accounting of this because it is so helpful to get the timeline of things as well as a little bit more background information as to what was going on with all of these different people that Jesus was passed to. You know, it's interesting as John 18 kind of comes to a close and John 19 begins, even though we do have a chapter break here. And, you know, we often make mention that, you know, sometimes these chapter breaks are kind of, you know, tossed in. But, you know, in a lot of ways, this one is it makes sense to me. Even though there is still, you know, all of this is happening at one time. It's one thing right after the other. The timing is immediate. But, you know, what you have at the very end of chapter 18 is is Jesus still arrested, still kind of being paraded about, Pilate doing everything he can think of to make this go away. You get the short indication of the Barabbas story given to us by John. That was an attempt from Pilate to give them probably the worst of the worst, mm-hmm. you know, for and for the people then to say, well, we definitely don't want that joker. Uh, so I guess, you know, give us Jesus who is, you know, is a good guy, right? And so that was an attempt that, that Pilate makes, and that's at the end of chapter 18. And then at chapter 19, as we'll talk about extensively next week, as that chapter comes, it is the turn. It is the turn from, you know, Jesus just being bound and kind of paraded about to now the physical trauma of the cross beginning. Mm-hmm. It is the picture that we have of the of the physical trauma, the physical beatings, the physical hanging, the physical everything begins here in chapter 19 and verse 1. And, and in a lot of ways, it begins with another attempt by Pilate mm-hmm. just to let Jesus go. Yeah. But it is no doubt a turn at that point to the now what we envision, the physical trauma of the cross. Yeah, the that's the, the hard thing to wrap our minds around when it comes to this crucifixion story. Jesus suffered immense emotional trauma and physical trauma. And it really just it paints this complete picture of just the ultimate suffering that he went through and did so peacefully and in complete control of himself at all times. It's it's fascinating to think about how he was able to do that and the peace that really swept over him during these moments because it is, it's is—it's excruciating to read and to think about, uh, but it's important as Christians to understand what our Savior did for us. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Well, we'll throw the pause button here at the end of John chapter 18. We have one more episode uh, left of John chapter 19 as John depicts 
uh, the story of Jesus on the cross, and, and and this really is ultimately the culmination of our entire study over the last several weeks, beginning in John chapter 13, with Jesus letting his apostles know this is where it's headed. And so it is where we will close, and we'll look forward to studying John chapter 19 along with everyone next week.